Excuse me, do you remember me? Last week when you listened to our pod, you didn't follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SeenItPod, and you didn't leave us a five-star review. Big mistake. Pretty Woman, coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of the hosts is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, that is both of us, I think. Perhaps. Yeah, I've never seen it. <laughs> I, I think I've seen every instance of this movie just never in a collective sitting like this is a movie that played like tbs like all the time back in the day <laughs> when i was a kid my mom had this movie on all the time uh yeah, yeah i i've definitely like i'm watching i'm like i remember pretty much all of this but i definitely never took the time to do a collective one-time screening of it but yeah pr- pretty woman post memorial day weekend tommy did you happen to go see top gun maverick I did. I did. I spent uh, my Saturday morning seeing Top Gun Maverick. One thing before we get into the movie, I just want to touch upon how grateful I am that trailers are so fucking long these days because I get to the movie theater and literally it's like I get there like 12 15, the movie starts at 12 15, and there's like a 20 minute line for the goddamn snacks. And I'm thinking, like, do I want to see Top Gun if I have popcorn? No. So I wait in line. And by the time I've done the 20 minute line, the movie literally is still just in trailers. And I'm like, okay, good. I'm good. I didn't miss anything. <laughs> So, outside of your snack, how was the popcorn? The popcorn was good? Popcorn was good, yeah, casual, yeah, whatever. Uh, but with Top Gun, uh, as we discussed last week, I wasn't really a big fan of this movie. You got, uh, ro- you got roasted, by the way, for not being a fan of Top Gun. Absolutely roasted by people. Roasted. Oh, no, exactly. I posted in uh, the Rewatchables Facebook group, and uh, I pissed off a bunch of Gen Xers who were basically like, how the fuck could you not love Top Gun? It was a great movie. I had friends message me being like dude your your partner's an idiot and you need to let him know because he doesn't like top gun i'm like i think you guys are missing the spirit of this show where yes i do i judge tommy a little bit for not liking top gun sure (laughs) but there's going to be a movie that i don't like that he'll like and he'll judge me for it so it's not really that big of a deal and it doesn't matter because it's a movie that came out in 1986 but top gun maverick just quick, quick thoughts. Quick thoughts. Uh, I like this a lot better than the first Top Gun. So this movie actually had a mission that was throughout central throughout the plot and kept on. You mean an actual plot in the movie? Yeah, exactly. An actual plot in a movie, whereas uh, compared to the first one, the characters in this one, I think for the most part, other than maybe Goose, were a lot more memorable um, this time around. Even Tom Cruise was more charismatic, I felt like, in this one. And Jennifer Conley was great. It was great seeing Harry pop up in movies again. And the fact that the romance was actually age appropriate and it wasn't Tom Cruise just like hitting on some girl in her 20s or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which could have been bad. <laughs> but overall, I liked the movie. Uh, thought it was really great. Uh, I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. So I recommend it. See, that's interesting. I feel like maybe it's just because recent Tom Cruise movies I've watched. He's just been playing Tom Cruise. I feel like Tom Cruise loved being Maverick so much that he just turned his later career into being Maverick in all of his roles. And he's just a little more care. He's just better at being that person at this point. 
if that makes sense. Like you said, he was more charismatic. I was like, I just didn't feel like he was trying at all. Not that it, not that it was a bad performance. It just felt like he was being Tom Cruise the entire time. Well, well, to be fair, uh, Tom Cruise himself now is just like uh, Maverick. <laughs> he pretty much was like, this is the role that people are going to remember before. So this is my overall personality, just like the cocky asshole. <laughs> yeah. And so this, listen, this, this movie does, it solves a very big issue of the first movie. It actually gives it a plot. They do some nice characterization moments. I like that they didn't, it was, it felt like a movie. It felt like just like a movie. <laughs> like I'm so sick of, blo- I see blockbusters now and it's just like, oh, it's a Marvel movie. It's a, I was like, this just felt like a movie, which I loved in the first act. The last act, the last hour of that movie is one of the greatest action sequences ever put to film, in my opinion. It homages the Death Star Trench run and it even built up to it like that and it has that same effect at least for me like when i remember watching that the first time my jaw was open my jaw was open watching the last 40 minutes of this movie i need to rewatch the last 40 minutes because i don't know if i can put uh lay the claim that this is the one of the best action scenes i've ever seen because that's very very bold claim the footage of the of the planes was just so incredible and just it was built up to that moment so efficiently because they really didn't focus on too much else other than this one mission that i was I, I was like stunned the entire time and i just turned to to ryan and i looked at him and i said that was so awesome oh my god as soon as that movie ended yeah. that, that... The, the the action was a lot more clear like unlike uh, my complaint with the first top gun i could actually like tell what the fuck was going on when people were uh, in the planes and everything. it's very rewarding that this movie like doesn't have like, a lot of cgi in it because you like you said you see some of those planes and you're like Holy shit, how they pull that one off? I felt like that. And I felt like they explained to the audience what was going on in the planes in a much more simple manner than they did in the original Top Gun. It felt like all the exposition in there was for pilots. This felt like it was for an audience. So, yeah. yeah. Top Gun Maverick, four to five. Dweller H. It gets another, haven't seen it, L. Ron Hubbard Award. <laughs> I didn't even know that was the fucking... I was like, what would you just fucking play? <laughs> That's our L. Ron Hubbard Award. Yeah. So he we get it. We get it. <laughs> we get it. There. We're done talking about Top Gun Maverick. This is Pretty Woman. From Touchstone Pictures, he's rich and powerful. That's my company. She's anything but. I kind of fly by the seat of my pants, gal. And they're getting together in Beverly Hills. You're getting trouble bringing me in here. Now they're live. Little suckers. And that city will never be the same again. Come and be happy. There's a sofa in here for two. Close your mouth, dear. Richard Gere, Julia Roberts, <laughs> Pretty Woman, rated R. National sneak preview tonight. Check newspaper for showtime. There they go, telling us to check newspapers for showtimes, man. I do have to love that they played. Uh, they had like the family-friendly Disney trailer guy. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, do this movie. <laughs> They're really trying to sell. It's like, hey, like. R-rated movie about a prostitute. Bring your kids. <laughs> it's not a. It's weird. Like outside of, would this movie be rated R if she was just like a truck stop woman or anything else? It's only R because he she's a prostitute and they have to discuss prostitution in the movie. And they definitely like curse a lot, which probably was with the subject matter. And there was that like brief like nude scene. Very um, very brief. You see like a which, second of a nipple. It, it was definitely like a. It could have been it was a body double. Out. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, actually, really so to. one of the things I saw online was that, like, during that scene, um, like, Julia Roberts was, like, having hives and was starting to get a vein show in her forehead. So they 
like him uh the director gary marshall director yeah yeah and richard gear were like massaging her forehead and they were putting like cream all over her arm which is probably why it was shot from the like the the covering like the the oriental yeah, you looking could. covering to just be like you get what's going on here we're not gonna we're not gonna zoom in julia roberts is a classy lady okay yeah yeah exactly so um it is great. It's one of those things. Uh, so I've never seen this movie before. I'm pretty sure that uh, back in the day, my aunt had on VHS and played it a lot, but I don't think I was allowed to watch it back then. But yeah, you know, the one thing I, I, uh, about this poster, we were talking about this earlier. I do have to love that in the poster, Richard Greer's hair is like pitch black, just jet black right there. Yeah. And you watch the movie, this guy's like full of salt and pepper, mostly uh, freaking like salt at this point, just like almost completely gray at this point, Richard Gere. And is just like what and even that outfit that julie robert wears you don't see in the movie whatsoever which i was shocked by i thought that was like some iconic outfit that she wore throughout the movie <laughs> so apparently that wasn't julia roberts on the movie poster either they airbrushed her face on some random model for the movie poster the movie making this is how you do it this is how you market movies apparently <laughs> aren't, aren't movies fun kits yeah, they're not going to want to see the Richard Greer of uh, gray hair movie, but you, know, like, you have to get the black hair to trick them into the movie. <laughs> I really enjoyed watching this, like, cover to cover. This movie is very Same. funny. It's it's witty. It's a lot of fun, and I love that, you know, we've talked about it before. We love movies that have very little plot. There's no real plot to this movie other than his business venture to buy that com- ship company ship company or whatever that had like contracts with the navy so two movies in, uh, in a row with navy plots we watched but yeah for the most part the plot is just like really just richard greer and julia roberts just hanging out and their chemistry just bounces off the freaking screamers like this is great what i love is that like really the first like 40 30, uh, or 30 minutes of this movie could almost go in any other direction where like it could just be like an erotic thriller from here or something like that or it could just be like a comedy or it could be fucking like more sinister or something like that where it's just like okay <laughs> we're going in we have no idea what's going to happen like what is richard gear going to do is he I, I first was like is richard gear just gonna be some like real scumbag or something like that when he picks her up or something 50 shades of gray kind of guy yeah yeah exactly exactly like these are my rules and you must like follow them and everything like that uh or just like real like piece of shit but uh that was jason alexander in this movie not richard gear <laughs> we're both big seinfeld fans but, uh i would say that george costanza is also kind of a piece of shit in the show yeah. Seinfeld. Uh, I think yeah. that's Jason Alexander's lane. This They just took yeah. away the neurosis of George Costanza in this and just, this was like if George Costanza just did the opposite of everything <laughs> yeah, that his that mind tells him to, he would become this successful lawyer. But of course, it, it was, yeah. Seinfeld. It was, it was of course like, oh, oh, I was thinking was like, okay, how is this different from George Costanza right here? And what it is, it, it, right. He's just confident. Uh, he's not really like the same, like, Whatever. he'll just go up to julie roberts and just say like some of the things were just like what the fuck dude <laughs> how do you think you get away with that <laughs> yeah it, it i could tell it was building to that point when they're at the the polo scene and mm. he thinks that she's a corporate espionage spy telling the other this the grandson of the company she was talking to him he was one of the riders on the horses he's like he's she's dispelling classified information it's like no she's a hooker and then he just walks up to her and she's just like, yeah, so I hear you. he picked you up from Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> what I love is that it's immediately after. It's like he doesn't even give like a, he doesn't even lead into it too. He's like, so you're a hooker. Uh, Want to hook me up? <laughs> well, one of the things that I think makes this movie great is that 
Richard Gere never really views her as a prostitute. Um, mm-hmm. He just views her as fun. You know, if if the other girl got into the car for the directions or whatever, I don't think he would have insisted on her staying the night. And it was clear that it, sex wasn't his real motivation. He was He's divorced. His ex-girlfriend is leaving him. That's what starts the movie. Uh, him getting the phone call at the party. Yeah. What I love is how they really just build up how this guy's is so detached where he asks like the one girl that's at the party, like, hey, uh, did you talk to my secretary more than me? And she's like, yeah, she was one of my bridesmaids. <laughs> um, so it sets it up. It was a great line. This movie's full of just like chock full of just great one-liners. Um, this was one of the one-liners that just cracked me up. Oh, honey. You know what's happened? I've got a runner in my pantyhose. I'm not wearing pantyhose. Well, color me happy. There's a sofa in here for two. First time in an elevator. Close your mouth, dear. (laughs) Close your mouth, dear. (laughs) <laughs> what I love one of the notes I wrote when I was watching this movie was um, there's nothing more I love in a movie than watching like fucking like someone just mess with just rich people and get them so uncomfortable like, oh yeah tidies. <laughs> well it's very much a fish out of water movie uh, I guess we're kind of learning a trend here we, you know Legally Blonde and this one in any kind of romantic comedy when it's a fish out of water scene, uh, you know situation I tend to like that in a, a romantic comedy Versus where like the people are kind of on equal standing and they're, you know, they're just kind of duking it out. Oh, he's just not interested in being a relationship. It's like, okay, we got it. Well, Richard Gere comes off very detached, very not interested in being in a relationship, but he finds himself growing closer to a woman he would have never expected growing close to. You know, he opens up about his father, uh, his mother dying when he was very young how he didn't talk to his father because he bought out his business and broke it to pieces to get back at him for leaving his mother for another woman. It's all these kind of things that romantic comedies don't usually dive that deep into the characters. And I, I think part of that, is, it's a really testament to the script. Um, I know one of the inspirations for the scripts was uh, the screenwriter uh, pulling up his name right now. I will get you his name, but he, uh, he basically would go to this diner in on Hollywood Boulevard and, you know, he'd be there late night at three or four in the morning when a lot of these women would get off the street at the time. And he just kind of started to build this world based off of his stories, like just talking to these women, getting yeah. to know them and getting to like understand them. One, one of the ladies had a story that was essentially like, um, yeah, this rich guy basically picked me up and took, took me to like, the casino or whatever, like gave me a dress and everything. And he just left me after a, a week or whatever. And I was like, you know, that's a good story. It's the start of a good story right there. So his first thought really was like with this movie was, so you have Richard Gere. It's like, so what if you had like the corporate raider, you know, like we saw on Wall Street with Gordon Gecko. What if we saw the corporate inter- raider really interact with the person from like the Midwest that really like kind of fucked over and say, hey, this is what you kind of caused. And that's where it first came out. Writer was J.F. Lawton. And, um, you know, he did Under Siege with, uh, with Steven Seagal, Seagal uh, Chain Reaction. Yeah, he really didn't have a ton outside of Pretty Woman. But he does have one of the better, best romantic comedies ever made under his belt. So he'll always get to have that. As well, originally it wasn't even supposed to be a romantic comedy. So um, it was supposed <laughs> to be more of a dark drama. 
Really? Uh, first, when he was first writing this out, it was just, uh, it was more about like prostitutions in LA. Vivian apparently was addicted to drugs. Um, part of the deal, Richard Gere for the week was like, hey, part of this deal is you have to stay off Coke for a week. And it just seemed like it was just darker in general. Or it was just like, this doesn't really work for that tone. I mean, yeah, there's a movie like that that could exist, but it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't see it work as well. Well, the, the undercurrent of this is how sweet the movie is. Uh, it's just it's just generally sweet and you see two people start to care for each other when they both it was a business transaction to start off with he needed directions and she wanted 20 bucks and he for whatever reason felt bad that she was going to take the bus i think he liked her because she you know you get to see a little bit about the the characters too she gets in his car it's like this fancy sports car that's a stick shift he doesn't know how to drive it. He's bucking it all over the place. She gets in. She starts talking about how the cars operate, how the engines operate, right? You get to see that she's a smarter girl, right? That wasn't, was it just me or was at the very beginning when we were introduced to her character and she can't make rent and she's walking down the stairs and she sees her landlord. Was that Harry Dean Stanton for just like a hot second? I wouldn't be shocked. This movie had like very split cameos. Like, did you notice uh, Hank Azaria as the detective? Yes, Hank Azaria as the detective. But there was also one other cameo when he's lost and he pulls up in front of this like nothing house and he talks to this bum asking for directions. He's like, yeah, this is Sylvester Stallone's house. That that was uh, Gary Marshall. Well, that's Gary Marshall's voice, apparently. He dubbed oh, it over because the sound it was bad. And um, yeah, he dubbed it over. And speaking back to Hank Azaria real quick, that apparently was his first speaking role ever, which at first I saw him on screen. I was like, oh. I realized he was in this and expecting like Hank Azaria to play some like wise detective that's coming after her or some shit. <laughs> oh, so so that was Larry Hankin, who was the the um, landlord, and he was the guy that he was in Friends for a couple of years, where he was the the weird old man neighbor. He was in Breaking Bad. Oh, uh, I think he died recently. He's, that's who, no, he's yeah. still he's still kicking, man. He's still kicking. Oh, I was thinking the maintenance guy from Friends that died recently. But whatever. Not he was the guy yeah. that ran the uh, scrap house in uh, in Breaking Bad. It, yeah, but this movie is just filled with a lot of those like, huh, that actor? Oh, yeah. Like, I recognize that guy. Yeah. Probably a little too small of a role for uh, Harry Dean Stanton. But, you know, you just got to see how clever she was. She doesn't walk right by him. She then takes the fire escape down and and to, to escape, you know, not having rent money on him, on her for to give to him. You just, you see... You know, you get a really interesting character and a girl that you I like kinda, her backstory in general. Yeah, um, her, her backstory was great, but you get a girl that's not, she's not really, she feels like two fish out of water. She feels fish out of water as a prostitute initially. And then when she starts getting introduced to high society, she's most certainly a fish out of water. Yeah. What, what I like about the opening two of her, uh, specifically of her character, is that like, you could literally see her get into any scenario. Like this could be the opening of almost any movie, just her scenes. Or it's yeah. just like, this could start off as like a quirky drama or whatever, or like this could be the start of like some crazy action movie where the guy picks her up or something like that. It just sets it up a movie perfectly where it's like, you don't know where it's going to go the second which you gets it, gets in the car. But thankfully, you know, this is a comedy. So you kind of know what to expect. Yeah. And, and I mean, like it sets the tone too. And, you know, you still see the echoes of the dark, you know, drama that was in there. Right. She goes to meet her roommate and that's where Hank Azaria is. The one of the girls was found dead in a dumpster. And there's a funny scene of the tourists taking yeah, pictures. Of Hank, it. And Hank Azaria is like, we got tourists taking pictures of 
of our, my crime scene. Get them out of here. Get them out of here like, as she's walking by. But yeah. it sets the tone and it sets the dangers of the world without showing it or making it too over the top and actually terrifying. Just letting you know that this is a dangerous profession and there are real life consequences to this. And it does it in a smart way, in my opinion, because it's just setting the scene and it's just setting the reality of it, this yeah. character. It's it's just world building more than anything because... Um... You know, this movie kind of like toes a line where it could have easily gone darker and darker and darker, which is why it started off that way. But, you know, they somehow found a way to keep the tone just uppity and light for the most part. And yeah, that's why it's a good movie. Yeah. And, you know, you see um, Julia Roberts uh, is a fish out of water. The best indication was this was her during the shopping scene. So I put I have together here two little back to back audio. Uh, it's probably the most famous moment in the scene uh, in the movie. I mean. May I help you? I'm just checking things out. Are you looking for something in particular? No, well, yeah. Uh, something conservative. Yes. You got my stuff. Thank you. How much is this? I don't think this would fit you. Well, I didn't ask if it would fit. I asked how much it was. How much is this, Marie? It's very expensive. It's very expensive. Look, I got money to spend in here. I don't think we have anything for you. You're obviously in the wrong place. Please leave. I'm sorry. I was in here yesterday. You wouldn't wait on me? Oh. You work on commission, right? Uh, yes. Big mistake. Big. Huge. I have to go shopping now. Just, it, I think the two clips both show, like, Julia Roberts' comedic chops. And when I think of Julia Roberts, I definitely don't think of her in that comedic sense, because she ended up taking on a lot more serious, you know, drama roles. She won an Oscar for, was it being Eric, Aaron Brockovich, right? Was that the... Being Eric Brockovich. But this also started, kicked off like the rom-com trend for her where she had so many just hits after this. What, one of the funny things about the scene in particular was, you know, the pop culture osmosis of this. The, the only reason I knew the scene because they referenced it in The Office and like a very like a key scene in the, uh, one of the episodes of The Office. And I thought that this... Which you office remember? episode? No, which office episode? I mean, I forget the exact episode, but it's pretty much Dwight got turned away from some like department store or something like that, or some jewelry store. And so they're like, you should do the pretty woman and like do this, like tell him like big mistake. And Dwight t- tries to do it. And it's just like very awkward and just yes. doesn't work at all for him. Was based on that as it seemed from the office. I thought that this part of the movie was going to be very dramatic, that her being back in the department store the next day was going to be this big triumphant moment where it is in the movie, but more dramatic like almost like a no score really where it's just like she was gonna be emotional and like almost crying at them like big mistake like fuck you but instead it ended up being like a comedic version of a montage played out for laughs which probably worked better oh yeah and it builds up to it i had to trim it down obviously but richard gear takes her out shopping to one of the department stores and is basically because she was saying oh i hate going shopping everybody's just so mean it's not fun all, all this stuff everybody said it would be fun to go on a shopping spree 
and he's talking to the manager at the store and he's the manager is just being so smirky he's like so are you going to be bodaciously stupid with your money or ridiculously over the top stupid with your money he's like richard ridiculously stupid over the top he's like oh i love this man and he starts trying to kiss richard gear's ass he's like i don't need you to kiss my ass go kiss hers <laughs> like like yeah. like this is the fish out of water scene uh, one of the other relationships i want to touch on was vivian julia julia roberts character had a very sweet relationship with um with barney uh who's hector elizondo played who is the hotel manager and when she he first sees her she he pop, sees her as a night walker immediately and then he helps her get in touch with a department store to get clothing she go then you know she's like i need help for this fancy dinner and he sits with her and explains to her fine dining and how fine dining works and then there's one scene where she walks back from the stores and he's just looking at her not in like a like a but more in just like yeah. oh my god she cleans up holy cow it, it took a day for her to become a completely different person it honestly felt like a father-daughter relationship where um he just like really cared about her and um Funny enough, years later, I think it was in the movie Valentine's Day, he actually played her uh, dad oh, that's in that sweet. movie. So it, like, it that's the little chemistry they had. And it was a really sweet part of the movie that like, I didn't expect that. I just thought that he was going to be a dick the whole time there. <laughs> yeah, no, I was picturing um, Tim Curry's role in Home Alone 2. Yeah, bring yeah. it back to our first episode. <laughs> bring it, well, yeah. go listen yeah. to that if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah we worked through some we ironed out some kinks but uh yeah so it, it was very similar to tim curry where, where i was thinking i was like oh yeah like uh, this movie i didn't expect to take place mostly in a hotel yeah, <laughs> and mostly in this penthouse and i said i think this movie is really sweet and really the bad guy in this movie is is jason alexander philip stuckley he's the guy that that he tries to rape vivian at the end essentially he's just he, yeah after edward lewis uh, tanks the deal or does a different deal. He doesn't do the billion dollar acquisition. It's a partnership now with uh, James Morse, who Ralph Ralph Bellamy, who's a classic, iconic Hollywood figure from the Golden Age. And West. this is his final film. His final yeah. film. He was very sweet in the movie. Sweet old man. And yeah, yeah. But uh, Jason Alexander, that scene came out of like nowhere for me, where I was like, oh my god, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, one thing I want to touch upon about Jason Alexander in general. There's so many scenes during this movie where I had to wonder, like, did Gary Marshall just like go to the set of Seinfeld and just film his scenes like remotely for George, or like George is on the phone, or, or I mean Jason Alexander, where he's just like, okay, like you know we're never, you know you're busy Jason Alexander, so we're just gonna go to the set. You're gonna be on the phone of Richard Gere, and it's a random office building, so you're good. <laughs> I don't know because this came out in 1990, so assume it filmed in 1989. Like, the Seinfeld pilot, the Seinfeld first season was six episodes. Like, I don't think he would have been that busy at this time. They probably were taking a bigger risk on Jason Alexander than we would give it credit for at the time because we just think, oh, it's the 90s. It's Seinfeld and Alexander, but this is... Seinfeld was not a short hit until the, the fourth season is when it blew up, but, like, the until the third season, it wasn't a solidified as... Uh, you know, a, a fixture of the NBC lineup. Yeah, yeah, not the classic that we all know today. <laughs> yeah, and uh, which is which is interesting that you say that, like, oh, it's because you thought he was just going to be in it more. Yeah, well, I, I, I expected him to be more of like I don't know. There is, it was uh, I thought it was funny that how detached he was for like 
so many of his scenes were just phone calls with Richard Gere, where it was just like, oh, what are you doing this time, Gere? <laughs> well, I, I think part of that is to service the story, though, and I think less to service scheduling, because Richard, you get the sense that uh, Ed Lewis, Richard Gere, has no, you know, he never takes a day off. This man just works, 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 works. It gets in the way of all of his relationships. And he's finally met a woman that he's just going to take a day off during the middle of a merger. Like yeah. a, a, big, or a big acquisition, which is sounded unheard of. So I felt like that was kind of the dichotomy is where you see them way more together at the beginning of the movie. And then slowly it's via phone calls because Richard Gere has his attention focused anywhere else than on work for the first time in his life it, uh, very eye-opening this movie i mean like any great romantic comedy it's not like greece where like basically essentially sandy changes to be more like uh the kind of girl that, what's her name uh john travolta wants this danny. is more of a movie we're both we're dating yeah i should know we were, we were both in greece uh, i'm fucking up my greece knowledge here it's not that type of romantic comedy this is the type of romantic comedy where both leads are learning from the other pretty much and they're both gaining something out of it and it's an equal partnership in that way which makes it really great in terms of the chemistry and everything, just plot in general where, you know, it's equal partnership. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's very interesting too, because of just, you know, him treating her more respectfully as than probably any man ever has as she walks the night. Right. Like that, it's gotta be very jarring for her. And, and, you know, he even says at one point, you know, I've never treated you like a prostitute where they're trying, they're like trying to figure out, what's going to happen at the end of the six day arrangement. And, mm. and he's like, I never treated you like a prostitute. And she goes, you just treated me like one. And it was, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of heartbreaking. Cause you know, I think he did a good job, but obviously he's detached from her feelings. He's barely in touch with his own. You know, the ending is very sweet where he gets over his fear of heights and he climbs the apartment fire escape to meet her halfway up. I really wanted him to fall off in the movie just to end on I, I was wondering, I was wondering if this was like the dark drama version of this, would this be like Richard Gere gets shot in the end and that's how the movie ends? No, she would no, if this was the dark drama, he'd bust into the apartment and she'd be OD on heroin. That's the dark drama version. <laughs> him so him fall him falling off with like the Wilhelm scream at <laughs> off the off the thing is that's the that's the version I wanted of the movie. But yeah, no, it's a very, more, very sweet ending. If though. Joe Dante directed it or something. If Joe, da- <laughs> yeah, if Joe Dante directed it, yeah, there would be little gremlins crawling around too. <laughs> but I think it's time to, we got to answer a question because this is a, this is a two-faced monster we got to, we got to uh, figure out. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Who is this? the star of the two of them in this movie who outshines the other here is my answer and it's julia roberts this movie literally her career blew up because of this i mean it, at this time it was a risky move for her to be the lead in this movie because she only did mystic pizza steel magnolias didn't really come out when they were filming this movie yet so pretty much that's why richard gear like was hesitant at first he's like i don't want to start this like nobody that no one knows gary marshall specifically told richard gear when he was starting the movie Richard Gere was very active and like very uppity and stuff like that when he first started. And he took aside Richard Gere and he said, okay, Richard, there's something you need to know. There's one person in this uh, movie that's very animated and that person isn't you. <laughs> so Julie Roberts, it was very animated, like has the best one-liners of, of this movie, best comedic moments, best dramatic moments. And 
literally it's a movie where like I told you earlier, I haven't seen that many Julia Roberts movies, maybe only two or three. I'm going to have to do a deep dive in the Julia Roberts uh, rom-coms. <laughs> yeah. Well, for starters, she's great. And yes, yeah, obviously she was, she was the winner of this movie. Her career completely, this changed the course of her, the trajectory of her career. But Tommy, if I may, if I may, just for argument's sake, because I think it really like just on the performance and you take away the peripherals of it. I think what Richard Gere does is almost more difficult because he has to ride this really fine line of also staying likable. Right. And it's so easy for you to just, it could take one line of dialogue for you to start to to hate this man because you're rooting for Vivian the entire time. Yeah. At any point you can literally go off the rails where like, the worst, obviously, was that one scene where she's like, you just treat me like one. And then the only time that he really treats her like shit, too, is where he accuses her of, her of doing drugs, <laughs> which is just flossing. But to, to be fair, that was like right at the beginning. And it's some yeah, girl yeah, he picked that, off I mean, the street. That's that, that was another cute moment. It's just like it's dental floss. I got strawberries in my teeth and I got a I, you know, can't do anything more than good dental hygiene. He's like okay yeah i I guess it works she was like do you want to watch and he he had to question what kind of sexual kinks he really had there if he was going to watch this woman floss her teeth so i do have to ask before we go into the next category these are the type of people that work uh up for this role for both roles actually Mm -hmm. i just want to list them off real quick just to see because this movie the reason it works is because of the chemistry more than anything oh yeah for sure this is a chemistry based movie yeah so all right for richard Gere, christopher reeve this one might be bullshit, but Bruce Campbell in my Wait, heart. It's where, where did you where did you hear Bruce Campbell? This was IMDb. So IMDb told me this. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, that, but, their trivia feels so shaky sometimes. But I, it's like the X-Files. I just want to believe that Bruce Campbell could have been in Pretty Woman. Imagine Bruce Campbell would have been awesome in this. It would have been hilarious. It would have just been like somehow like more uppity. He would have been the more animated one. It would have had to. It would have been. It would have been so. Just imagine two. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have worked, but I would have just loved to have seen Bruce Campbell in a romantic comedy lead with Julia Roberts. Like straightforward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that movie would have grossed like maybe like ten million at the box. Yeah, well, and this this grossed like four hundred million, which for an R-rated movie in the nineties is massive. Apparently, is like one of Disney's like biggest grossings ever. But um, to get back to it real quick, so Daniel Day Lewis was also up for it. Al Pacino who screen tested with Julia Roberts. <laughs> that would have been something. Uh, that would have been something. Yeah, Albert Brooks, Burt Reynolds, and then for Julia Roberts, just to uh, finish it up real quick, Karen Allen, Molly Ringwald, she said no because she was like, ah, I don't want to play a prostitute. Understandable. Whatever. Jennifer Connelly, Winona Ryder was turned down because she was too uh, young. And then Drew Barrymore and Brooke Shields and Uma Thurman. But I don't think any of those comedies, maybe, maybe you can find a good movie. Drew, Bar- Drew Barrymore, way too young. Oh my God, that would have, that's like, that's like sickening. It's like Jodie Foster in Taxi Was Driver. this? She was what, 14. What, because no. what, what, what year was that movie Poison Ivy? Because that movie Poison Ivy came out like 91 or 92, like to say. And that pretty much is like Julia Roberts playing like a Sharon Stone knockoff in Basic Instinct. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, we all know they nailed the the casting of this movie. And just to back on my point on Richard Gere, it, it is a testament to him that he is able to really deliver a flawless performance in this where he really has to be reserved even when he's opening up and being emotional. He has to keep his emotions detached, which 
I imagine could be very difficult for like a professional actor, but it's also a testament to Gary Marshall. I think as a director, like, you know, you said Molly Ringwald didn't want to be in this movie because uh, she's a prostitute, but you don't really see Vivian be a prostitute. You know, it, uh, it would take a lesser director to just have one scene of her in the car and she, you know, that's your introduction is a car shaking and it's like, oh yeah, daddy. Oh, and then she walks out onto the street. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just to set the scene, like this is a prostitute, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, or that some like scene terrible montage. In, yeah. This <laughs> scene, that scene wasn't in the movie, which I really appreciate it. Just, it made it feel like, okay, <laughs> this is just the circumstance that has the movie going, but it's not, and it's more about her overcoming like the class differences of coming mm-hmm. off the streets to the highest of of living that one could achieve and i think i think it just really works in that way yeah no they, they keep it in a way that's just like even if the characters themselves were just never it, it toes it's like a thin line but it never crosses that line really for the most part and they play uh what's called julia roberts's character in a sympathetic light and they don't really like just make it gross or just like really exploited it exploited it at all and even before she gets back together with uh ed lewis he she uh was leaving the apartment she was going to san francisco to get her ged she was going to go find a new job and start a career she was convincing her roommate kit and you even see that sweet little scene at the end with her new roommate being like yeah listen i'm not gonna be around a lot because i have some money i'm going into beauty school like i kind of do you have dreams like i can accomplish more things right like just that residual effect being over like those are just the sweet little moments that makes it so much more fulfilling of of a movie than any you know rich man with a prostitute story has any right to be they really just accept la to be this is the shittiest place on earth but uh, when they start off with Julia Roberts, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I just want to point that out. But yeah, all right, Tommy, Muppet time, baby. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Okay. Uh, <laughs> would this movie work as a Muppet adaptation, Tommy? Um, nope, not. I, I like actually having. I know we always say like, oh, I'd love to see that. I don't know if I'd really love to see Pretty Woman with Piggy with with Kermit picking up Piggy off the street. That'd be a little awkward. Uh, it'd, it'd be weird. I mean, I'm remembering like the closest I can think of was like when Family Guy parodied the scene of her opening up the necklace, where it was like Peter in the red dress for some reason. Just one of those random like, oh, remember that time I was like a pick whatever <laughs> bullshit. But just imagine Jason Alexander trying to sexually assault a puppet. <laughs> Yeah, they should never do this as a Muppet adaptation. We no, usually no, say, so, yeah. at least give it a try. This one, we're like, eh, I think, I think nah, we nah. could pass on this one. It's got a little too much, too many mature uh, subject matters for that to work. But uh, you could have uh, Waldorf and uh, what, whatever the other the old guy is uh, in their proper location in the opera. Like, hey, in the so opera I, want point, I want to point out something about this opera scene. I'm not saying this is this doesn't make me hate the movie, but I have to love how they didn't even bother trying to show anyone other than the people in the opera boxes. Oh, like yeah. basically, like the only people that were on that set during the opera were just the actors in the opera box scene, where it's just like, ah, we're not gonna show like anything about like the crowd or whatever. Fuck that. <laughs> well, I one of the other good one-liners there was um 
Julia, she's like, dear, did you enjoy the opera? Yeah, I almost peed my pants. And Ed and Richard Gere is just like, he, she said it was better than pizza and the thing, something that rhymes. And you just see the woman trying to put the two syllables, like put the phonetic syllables together of the yeah. name of the show and peed, trying to peed my pants, trying to be like, did she actually say that? I mean, you get, it's kind of making sense here. And just a nice little cut there. Yeah, they, they had so many just great like little cuts and just so many just like reaction shots where it's just Julia Roberts saying something outrageous to some rich snob and it's just like oh that opera apparently is an opera about a rich man that has a prostitute save him for a week or something like that so pretty much like the plot of pretty woman are, are you an opera guy Tommy? no would you go to the opera with me i mean no i don't know because it's, it's one of those things that you, you assume the opera is just going to cost you like a fucking arm and a leg <laughs> You can go to the Lincoln Center. You just get nosebleeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can pregame so, yeah, the opera, dude. We can we can make pregame the, opera, the opera. Get drunk as fuck. Start hollering, just hooting and hollering. Get kicked out. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that would be the haven't seen it opera's experience, huh? <laughs> I guess so. All right, so review time, Tommy. Give me give All me right. your score. Yeah, like I said, first time I've ever seen this. Julie Roberts uh, and Richard Gere immediately. Just the chemistry is so great. Like we said, this movie, for the most part, doesn't really have that much of a plot. This is, in some ways, just almost like a character, not drama, but like study yeah, character study. Yeah, yeah. We're just like having these two characters in a room and just seeing them interact on and on and on. But it worked. It never really felt like very boring to me. It was more just like a will they, won't they kind of thing. And, you know, all the performing characters were very fun, like Jason Alexander, for the most part, except for that one scene, was fine. <laughs> And it just great one-liners. So I was constantly chuckling to myself. And there's nothing more better than the go fuck yourself scene of I was here last week and you didn't fucking recognize me. But anyway, so I'm going to give this a four out of five. Love this movie. So I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to echo your score. I'm going to give this a four to five as well. I think this movie, it's, a, it's the perfect chemistry. A lot of times these movies don't have great chemistry. You could see Richard Gere and Julia Roberts having a relationship outside of this movie. I also love that they tried to echo, do it, recreate it again with the same three trio with uh, Runaway Bride, which obviously was not as big of a hit. And I was very stunned to learn that it was not a sequel to this movie. It was, yeah, because I, I, I didn't even know that he was in that uh, Runaway Bride. Yeah, it's Richard Gere. Ju- Julia Roberts is like, she's left four or five guys and Richard Gere is the journalist that has to go, you know, go report on her and, uh, uh, Gary Marshall is the one that that directs that movie. I'm like, oh, they were really trying to build that marketing off on that one. They were like, well, we got to get them back together, which speaks to the chemistry about them. Exactly. So like, you want to see these two characters over and over again. I do have to point out, I just looked up the poster for Runaway Bride, and this time they had Richard Gere with the gray hair on the poster. So <laughs> they're getting there. <laughs> so yeah, they 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 knew to stop covering his hair. But I, you know, it's a it's a real chemistry blast. Um, it's really witty. It's really clever and it's it's really sweet at its at its heart, and it's not afraid of going to the dark moments and mm-hmm. like showing you the reality of the world of being in a prostitute without being trashy about it. And it it's just a, it's a lot of fun and it's it's a great. I can see why it's a great date night movie. I can see why thirty two years later people still adore this movie. So four out of five stars for me. And uh, if you haven't seen Pretty Woman, go see Pretty Woman, Tommy. Any final thoughts? So once again, we want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter um, at Seen It Pod. 
and also leave us a five-star review wherever you listen if it's spotify apple google stitcher whatever we really appreciate it guys and next week we're going to be covering um et which next week's et all right all right man. yeah little next week's et little little bit of a subject change but that's okay that's yeah. okay we're talking we're talking about aliens this time stay tuned uh, i've never seen it maybe when i was a kid but i don't remember it <laughs> so i'm gonna say i've never seen it i would be surprised if you've never seen it but i'm very excited for your first et showing i haven't seen it in at least over a decade so it's going to be a great episode stay tuned for that one next week until then thanks for listening we'll see you next time